previously an unnecessary side project. Matt got drunk in a mall. And Joey visited Hungary. Hi, I'm Teddy Ruxpin. And I'm Dina White. And welcome to Unnecessary Side Project. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing, Joe? Doing very well. How how How's life going? Life's going great. I'm very jacked up for this podcast. Jacked up and not the opposite. I've spoken <laughs> <laughs> up or on. <laughs> yeah, I, whatever. Anyways. Yeah, I've spoken to at least three human beings who have admitted to listening to a portion of at least one podcast, so I'm very enthusiastic Feels now. good. Feels yep. good. Feels We're, good. So, hello to you who has spoken to us before. Yep. How are you? You guys are doing great. Please, please fill in. I'm going to I'm gonna do like a one-sided conversation and you fill in uh, the answers after I ask them. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Uh, did you get that mole looked at? <laughs> Anyways, okay, so this, for this episode, uh, we are doing something. Oh, can you start the timer? <laughs> yep, start the timer, got it. Oh, there we go. Oh, ah, okay, good. Um... So this episode, what we're going to do is, uh, essentially, I'm going to try and convince Matt to uh, like something that he maybe doesn't dislike, but has no opinion on, nor has ever uh, interacted with, and he is going to try and convince me to like something that I am much the same. I know of it, but don't really know a whole lot about it, and don't really have an opinion on. Yeah, we, so, and, um, seeing as we had, we've had a lot of feedback about the name of our podcast, yes, the side order of machos being evidently the front runner for what we should have named it. Yeah, maybe we should uh, at some point discuss the name for this kind of segment, like a this versus that, or a convince yeah. me of something. I don't know. We'll talk about this some other time. But I think yeah. we need a, a title for the segments. So we will know what they're expecting. Why don't you like this, you dummy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, so. Would you like me to try and convince you first, or would you like to try and convince me first? Um, it's up to you. You're, the, you're in the All right. chair today. I'm going to start. Okay, so the topic that I have chosen that you know very little about is a, a little show called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Now, you, I've, I've briefly described what this is, but you don't really know a whole lot about it. Uh, you've never watched any of the episodes, um, and I think that it is pretty much 100% right up your alley. So I'm going to give you a couple different points um, as to why you should watch it, and I want you to try and rebut them as much as you can. Make okay. this as difficult as possible for me. I'm generally a pretty agreeable person, though. I'm not really someone who... You know, You're not devil, very contrary devil, at all. Adv- yeah, devil's advocate kind of person, but I'll yeah. try my best. Okay. For the sake of our podcast, I'll try. All right. Uh, now, were you a fan of the Tom Green show? Um, I can't say that I was. No? I didn't dislike it, though, but I okay. have seen parts of it. But do uh, you like that sort of feel, like, uh, you know, um, uh, <laughs> wow. I remember him giving, I think he showed Mike Bullard, I think it was Mike Bullard, a bag of roadkill. He did, And yes. Mike Bullard then threw up. That's yep. the best, my, the only thing I can remember from that show. Uh, that was funny. Mo, that was, but that was on the Mike Bullard show. That's not what I'm getting oh, at here, but like sort of like, Tom Green no, show. Uh, <laughs> but sort of like that low budget cable, uh, cable channel, like public access feel. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you like that sort of aesthetic? <sighs> I can't say, I can't say I don't like it. I just, aside from Wayne's World, which is a fictional show. On All right. Cable well, access thing. Okay, well, I got Wayne's World. You yeah. So, so we're the, the same sort of thing. So this. The, the show, Mystery Science Theater, it started in Minneapolis on a on the station there, KT, K, 
KTMA, I believe it was, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but it was sort of a cable access show where they used to play just old movies, uh, crappy old movies, because that's how they used to fill the airtime late at night, uh, because it was cheap to put them on there. The idea for the show was there was a guy who was marooned in space uh, and made these tiny little robots to keep him company because he was marooned up there. His, his employers had sent him up there because they wanted to experiment on him by making him sit through awful movies. Um, so the whole premise of the show is that he's living his life up there, and every week the the mads, they call them, so these two mad scientists, would send up a bad movie to try and make him crack so that they could figure out what what's the worst movie that they can then use for world domination. Just make everybody watch the movie, and then they'll be willing to submit to whatever. Um, so they're sending up these bad movies, and he has to watch them, and him and his little robot uh, compatriots then have a little... Uh, silhouette in front of the screen with the movie playing and it's them making fun of the movie the whole time so i've gone to movies and, and shows and stuff with you before and part of the fun when something is terrible is making fun of it right mm -hmm. so that's this whole aesthetic but you don't have to worry about it there it's a professional comedian and two other at this point professional comedians but at that time just very funny people that are essentially tearing a movie apart uh, as you're watching it, and you can just sit and enjoy it. And if you if you want to if you want to pay attention to the movie, you can, or you can listen to them tell their jokes. So, does that sound like something that would appeal to you? It sounds like Beavis and ButtHead when they do music videos. Exactly, yeah, it's, yeah. Ve it's very Beavis and ButtHead uh, like, but not. It, it's a full length movie, so you're essentially sitting down to watch a movie plus there's about an extra half an hour worth of time that they fill with little host segments and stuff. But it's, you know, if you have an appreciation for bad movies, like if, if you sort of sit around and, and like to make fun of bad movies, or if you're in a bad movie, you can enjoy it for the sake of its awfulness. This is sort of the show for you now. Um, hmm. Now, do you so, want me to try to rebut this a little bit? Yeah. Okay, because being the sensitive person that I am, right, um, I fear for the feelings of those who make these movies. Okay, because maybe they worked really hard on it, and it was uh, some lifelong project to make this film. For example, maybe someone's someone's Mr. Holland's opus was Sharknado. Yes, and then these these SOBs who are making money off of it decide to p pick it apart. I would feel guilty the whole time. I feel bad for them because they had to have their movie torn apart. Now, while I understand that the point that you're making there, there are some instances where individuals involved with the movies have been upset, but the vast majority of sort of the cinematic community loves these guys because it's, you know, they're not... Some of... You could see some of the, the jokes as personal attacks, especially. There's, there's one movie it's called Mitchell it's like a cop movie and the the main character is played by Joe Don Baker who's been in a bunch of movies he was do you remember the guy who showed his butt in Goldeneye the the US spy yeah sort of like a chubbier guy yeah. that's Joe Don Baker he's in this movie as a policeman named Mitchell and the entire movie more or less is them making fun of that he just gets winded and everything and he's constantly drunk <laughs> and constantly burping and like and Joe Don Baker hate like I, I think Maybe hate is a strong word, but like he, for a, a period of time, hated the fact that 
uh, MST3K, that's the short form for it, made all these jokes at him, but I think he's sort of warmed to them as time has gone by. But um, one of the great things about the show is that, uh, you know, it, it, it ran for, for 13 years, I believe. Uh, so, and, you know, every season has 13 plus episodes in it. So, like, there's just, a, there's a huge chunk of movie history that has been covered by these guys. Uh, movies that maybe didn't get the spotlight that they had hoped for sort of got a second life through this show and have become sort of cult classics. So a lot of crappy sci-fi movies or black and white films from the 50s um, have now have a following because of this show because they sort of put them in the spotlight and maybe, you know, and they're, they're poking fun of the, at them the whole time. But um, no one would know about these films if it weren't for this show. So I think that that is one of the cool things about it. Um, so what kind of... Um, so you, I think you've seen this live, right? Yes. As well so, as it used to be on TV, but you've seen it live. Yes. Yeah, right? so there there were two different hosts for the show. Uh, one was named Joel. He's the one who created the show. Uh, and then the other one is Mike. And then after the show, they both, both sort of went off and have done their own sort of things. And they put on live shows occasionally. Um, Mike has his group. That's called Rift Tracks now, and now they will do... You can download MP3 files that you sync up with recent movies, and then it's just like a, an audio commentary track, and they make fun of it the whole time, which is hilarious. Uh, and then also they'll do live shows where... Um, they'll have a live event going on where the movie will be pay- playing in the background, they're up on stage uh, telling jokes about it, um, and then they'll stream it live all across... Ooh, all across canon in the u.s and it's it's very funny i went and saw shark sharknado the other day and you know sharknado it's been pretty much critically panned but it's sort of a campy stupid sci-fi original movie and the producers are happy that riff tracks did that and even provided clips from the next sharknado movie so for the live show when a movie is intentionally campy like sharknado <laughs> Isn't that kind of like low-hanging fruit, though, in terms of making jokes about it? Uh, like, when the premise of the movie is a tornado gathers sharks and brings them to town, isn't that already supposed to be ridiculous? Like, isn't it implicitly funny? Yeah, I mean, it is, but I think, you know, like, a lot of... The, there's sort of two types of films that they'll do. They'll do movies that take themselves seriously but are just terrible, or movies that are just poorly made. And I think Sharknado falls into that second category. Okay, I can see. Where, you know, yeah, they think that they're being really cool about it, and it's like, yeah, we're just going to make a bad movie about a Sharknado, but it's, had that commentary not been there, it is just painful to watch. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a terrible movie. And okay, having that. that extra component really adds to the, the, uh, the situation. Um, so, I think it's up your alley. I think it's something that you would enjoy, and if anybody out there has not you know, seen a mystery science theater movie uh, or TV show or uh, any of the Rift Track stuff, I would recommend you looking it up. Um, I feel like I'm not really convincing you so much. No, so I was going to say, what I was going to say is, so um, if you wanted, if I was going to dip my toes into mystery science theater, Mm -hmm. what was the first episode or first uh, production you saw that really hooked you in that was so hilarious or so engaging that would get me interested as well so that way i'll try that one first yes and see if i like it okay so probably my favorite mystery science theater episode is the one that i've already mentioned is mitchell so and that 
also has the benefit of being the bridge episode between the Joel era, so like the first couple seasons had Joel as the host, and the Mike era, and he did the last bunch of seasons. Um, that's the episode where Joel leaves and Mike starts. Are they both on at the same time? They're, Mike doesn't do any of the jokes, but he he is throughout the episode, and then at the end gets sent up to, it's called the Satellite of Love, that's, that's what he's marooned on out in space. Um, so... It's 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 hilarious. It's one of the 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 best uh, mystery science theater episodes, and the movie isn't terrible. Like some, the 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 problem that some of them have is that the movie is so bad that you know even with the commentary, you just you don't want to watch it. And then there's one episode that once you sort of get into it, I would recommend doing, but it, definitely not a, the first episode. So I would recommend Mitchell. Um, also. The later seasons uh, had, because, you know, a lot of the movies were either, you know, like um, Japanese black and white, uh, like Gamera, or there weren't Godzilla, but like that, like monster movies, um, and, you know, 1950s black and white films, there's a lot of those. Those, you know, as a present day person, maybe you don't really want to watch those. The later seasons had a lot of color films and more recent films that were just sort of B-movies that didn't do very well. Those are all very funny. There's one called Laser Blast uh, that is a, a later episode that's very good. But probably the most famous episode is for a movie called Manos, the Hands of Fate. So this is, it's, it's an awful, awful movie. Poorly made. The story doesn't make any sense. It just long shots where nothing happens. And they, they, they did it. Um, on the show, and then later uh, Rift Tracks also did a live show where they did all new jokes for it as well. Um, and that one, you know, if you go into it knowing that it's going to be difficult, even even with the jokes, which are hilarious, but just having something so bad in the background, it's difficult to watch. So it takes takes maybe some building up t- to get there, but it's it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch once you've sort of dipped your toe into the, the mystery science theater pool. So do they watch these movies like a bunch of times before and develop jokes so that they are sort of guaranteed to be funny? Or do they just... Yes. they more like us and just sit down in front of a microphone and hope that they say something that makes sense? The earlier episodes, when it was on public access, were more or less watching the film and as it's happening, doing commentary. So it's just sort of spur-of-the-moment jokes. As seasons went on, I think I think that was only the first public access season. After that, it went to Comedy Network uh, or Comedy Channel or uh, Comedy Central. Sorry, um, and then they they started writing the jokes at that point. Um, and the great thing about it is that it's just there's so many jokes per minute and so many callbacks to other episodes that they've done, and you know uh, references to popular culture and you know a lot of there's a bunch. You know, it's if you don't know anything about the show, and if you're only sort of if you don't have a whole lot of pop culture knowledge, there's still a ton of jokes for you. But there's a lot of jokes that are so obscure that you you're it's like, what the heck did that mean? And you look it up, and then it just becomes even more funny. Like there's a lot of really obscure references to you know silent film era actors and stuff, and you know like filming styles and like it's there. They're very articulate, uh, they're very well-versed in pop culture and cinema and entertainment, and there's just, there's just so many different, I, I hate when people say there's different levels to stuff, but like, if you watch it at face value, you'll enjoy it, 
But if you sort of delve deeper and look at individual, st- yeah, look at you know some of the weirder jokes on it, or like, well, why why did they say watch out for snakes and nothing happened in this movie? And you realize that's a reference to a mystery science theater from two seasons ago. Yeah, it's like Arrested Development, where they like even like the actors who are played in the show, yeah, um, like uh, Henry Winkler and stuff like that. There's like subtle jokes that if you didn't know about Happy Days and yeah. Wonderplay, like that. So I think I, that's kind of similar. They do callbacks like Chicken. Yeah, dance there's and, it's. There, and and there's so much of it that, like, I haven't even seen them all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been watching them off and on since I was in high school. Like, I, I, I love it. And I think I think you would enjoy it. And I think one of these days you and I should watch one. But So what's what's the, why do you feel the need to do the, the sci-fi storyline where they have, like, they're in a spaceship or whatever? That's just the concept? Just come yeah, it's sort of, like, um, they wanted a cheeky way to... Uh, act like someone was forced to watch these movies. And I guess the idea of someone being marooned in space or being, you know, force-fed these movies against their will with no way to escape, um, it, was a, it was a neat way to do that. And the, the, the show doesn't really take itself all that seriously. Like, obviously, they're up on a satellite, but they all make references to stuff that's happening, you know, uh, pop culture references and that kind of stuff. Uh, the ro- Like, he has these little robots, but they're very obviously puppets. And it's, like, it's got a very... For something that parodies B-movies and, you know, um, bad production value and that kind of stuff, it has all that. So it's sort of saying, yeah, this is bad, but that's we're also joke. bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> the joke. It's it's The, the theme song is very, uh, I'm not going to sing it, but the, the theme song essentially lays out, you know, this is this is the story, this is the why the guy is here, but it's just a TV show. So if you're wondering why, why he can breathe in space or why he doesn't just try... It's just a TV show. Relax. Uh, so yeah. So I must say, like when I first you first told me about these, I had no because I'd seen I guess commercials for it or something on Comedy Network. Yeah. And I didn't really get the premise. I just saw all the science, uh, the sci-fi stuff, and I was like, "This can't be sci-fi garbage. I don't want to watch it." But I yeah. think you've actually successfully convinced me. I'm glad to watch at least one episode. It's. I mean, um, and it it varies wildly from not wildly, but at the beginning uh, of. The, you know, the first couple seasons are rough, uh, and you sort of have to have come in maybe at season three to sort of get an appreciation for the show, um, and then maybe go back and see it just for, like, historical value, this is what yeah. they did. that's a good thing, um, though. But, yeah, like, you can't expect a bunch from a, you know, for something that was on public access TV, it was great. But, you know, if you're on Comedy Central, you kind of have to have a higher... Well, it's like this podcast. I mean, when we're on HBO, and yeah. we're all streamed on HBO, and we're on like, Sirius XM... It's going to be Chris Rock's new special, yeah, and then, and then directly followed by Unnecessary Side Project. Or maybe yeah. we're the lead-in for Chris Rock, because yeah, he can't Rock, draw on the audience Chris anymore. Rock works for us yeah. uh, at that point. So I can understand that. So these are these, those are the episodes. Yes. Got to work at those kinks now. Yes, all right. but yes. If you are out there and you have never heard of this, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is what it's called. The episode I'm telling you to watch is called Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, and you will enjoy it very much. And I have eaten up so much time of no, this No, it's episode. fine. I think the next time we do an episode like this, I'll, I'll, we'll also do it after I've watched this episode, so I can yes, report back. that's that, a good that, idea. Yeah, yeah. We could do a... Yeah, 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 exactly. type thing. All right, so then um, um, the subject or the topic that I'm going to try to convince Joe to be interested in, which I've tried numerous times in the past, but I've never done an in-depth attempt at this, All right. is to get Joe interested in the UFC. So Now, you there? have mentioned UFC about a hundred times since we started this podcast, just in passing, <laughs> and I 
have neither the time nor the inclination to watch any of these UFC fights. Yes. I want to enjoy the things that you enjoy, so please. Okay, so um, first I thought I would... I would uh, I have a series of arguments, some of which are well thought out, and yes. some of which are my attempted humor. So we'll you see did how well so much prep work for this, and I'm yeah. so happy because um, I really did not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so far so good. Um, so first and foremost, um, you like the WWF slash WWE now after yes. a while, right? Love it. And I think a big component of that production mm-hmm. is the, uh, the stage personas that the characters have. Yes. And while the UFC hasn't played that aspect up that much, they do play up the nickname part of it. Okay. So let me present to you some of my favorite nicknames that are other in the UFC. Okay. So there's uh, a guy named Andre Feely. And okay. He, his name is Andre Touchy Feely. Okay, love it. Legitimate person. All uh, right. I think he's my new favorite yep. fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin McLovelin, McLovin Hazlett. Okay. Um, one guy's named uh, Mir- uh, Mirko Filopic. I can't say his actual name, but okay. he's Croatian, and right. he's a member of parliament and a police officer, so they just call him Krokop because he's a Croatian cop. There is a UFC fighter currently fighting that is a member of parliament? He, uh, he was, or is going to be, but he's not. He's no longer in the UFC, but he used to be one. Oh my goodness, that's there's awesome. A, there's a guy named uh, Dave Schultz who goes by Dave the Janitor Schultz. Why? why I don't know why. Okay. He just does. <laughs> just uh, seemed, it just fit. Yep, he brings a mop yeah, into the ring. Exactly, yeah. They don't, right. don't bring props, unfortunately, oh. but I think that's a, that's probably going to be coming. Uh, there's a guy named Joey Beltran who goes by Joey the Executioner Beltran. Okay, so I'm assuming he has killed many people? In Mexico, I imagine. In Mexico. Yeah, or he's of Mexican descent, yeah. Okay. And then my last one uh, is, uh, I have a few others, but this is my last one I'll mention, is uh, Ian uh, Uncle Creepy McCall. <laughs> and he has one of those old-timey mustaches where you twist the sides and they're pointy, oh, and he, he has that, and like a creepy Macklemore haircut. Wow. So that alone, I think, should at least get you excited about uh, the prospect of watching a UFC fight, uh, because it has that sort of theatric uh, side to it. You had my interest, but now you have my attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Andre touchy-feely got your interest. Yes, got me. So that's, that part of it's fun, but uh, really why I like it is, I think, and this is only something if anyone's out there who likes any kind of sport, I think you can make this argument that, because you like baseball, you yep. like football, um, any of those kinds of sports, especially, I would say, football, they're about, you know, taking ground. It's sort of an analogy for war and that kind of thing. Right. And I don't really think there's a better analogy for that than actually, like, fighting someone, right? Right. So getting into a cage. So in that respect, I think the UFC is really exciting. And I used to like boxing a little bit, but then as soon as you get into the UFC, because there's so many things that you can um, get involved with. So um, I'll take me take a step back and go back to the early UFCs. Okay. Um, the early UFC, the concept was, let's see who win a fight. So you get a sumo wrestler, a boxer, a jiu-jitsu fighter, a wrestler, and have them all fight each other. Wizard. Yeah, wizard. <laughs> Mage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so literally, a, a professional boxer came in with one glove on and a bare hand and then fought a sumo wrestler, like things like that, things that wow. were ridiculous. And then over time, um, it got much more legitimate in terms of a sport. It was much less of a uh, kind of a sideshow. And um, so now the fighters have all kind of developed similar skills. Yeah. But there's still a storyline. Like, before every single fight, obviously there's hype and they try to promote things. But there's always, like, a narrative. So it's whether it's, um, like, a striker versus a grappler. So a guy's a really good wrestler or a really good jiu-jitsu fighter versus, like, a boxer. Um, Or if they're both really good strikers, the different kinds of striking. So a really strong boxer versus a Thai, like, a Thai fighter, like a Muay Thai fighter. And then every once in a while, someone comes along and is really good at Taekwondo. So they'll land some crazy, like, roundhouse kick from, uh, like, Street Fighter, that kind of thing. Nice. So... 
I find a lot of it is like the build up up to it is trying to analyze what this guy's done in the past or girls done in the past, what they might be able to do in the future. And that is as much, just like with the WWE, the lead up and the, the smack talk and all that kind of stuff is yeah. as much part of it uh, as anything else. Okay. So that's why I read about it a lot. That's why I find it really interesting. Yeah. But now I'll take a less serious note and say, okay. so another thing is, um, with some sports, uh, significant others sometimes aren't that interested. Like when I put on baseball, my girlfriend isn't always the most excited, but when I put on UFC and there are half-naked men in their underwear fighting each other, she tends to perk up and watch. Right. So if you ever... Because she's unhappy in her relationship. <laughs> yeah, she's unsatisfied, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's something that is good. You, yeah. You should be able to inspire interest in your partner as well mm-hmm. if she doesn't like uh, baseball or uh, football. Okay. But ironically, we're going to a baseball game tomorrow, so yes. it can't be that big of a problem. Yeah, and she's pestering me to buy football tickets. So oh, there you go. So your mind. point is not really working here, but... Yep. I understand. Well, then... If you have an uninterested lover, <laughs> you, if you, you have to rely on crutches like the UFC yeah. to keep her, you know, in your in your little yeah. harem. If you don't measure up as a man, you just put George St. Pierre on TV, yeah. and then you keep her around for a bit longer. Yeah, he'll talk about 888 poker, and then, yeah. you know, you just... it's uh, true. One of my favorite chirps of all time, so you see guys in the UFC or, you know, boxing or wrestling, and they'll say, you know, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to murder you, I'm going to... Yeah. Mike Tyson, I'm going to eat your children. Yeah. My favorite chirp of all time was George St. Pierre getting into the ring after a guy named Matt Hughes just won. Takes the microphone and he goes, Matt, I was not impressed by your performance and look forward to fighting you in the near future. It's just like the most matter-of-fact yeah. chirp. It was amazing. The place that's, erupts. That's pretty great. Yeah, so uh, that's good. So another thing, if if the significant other being uh, attracted to the fighters uh, isn't float your boat, right. there are also women who fight. Many of them, like Gina Carano or like... Uh, mm-hmm. Movie stars, so that's entertaining in and of itself. Okay. Or just the physical fitness of these men might inspire you to work on your own physical fitness. When you see is this an intervention? Is <laughs> this, this is what this whole thing was? I have like a Joey 50, looked like crap. I have a fifty in my pocket from your wife who said, "Try to get Joe to do some sit-ups." Well, guess what, Katie? It's not happening. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that's all joking aside, though. I think the athleticism that's required, and then maybe that's how I'll kind of maybe wrap up. A bit of my UFC talk is that um, the athleticism that's required, I think, is what makes it most interesting to me. So when you watch golf or you watch baseball, a lot of times athletes are really one-dimensional. So like a lineman in football has a certain skill set, but maybe yeah. lacks a whole bunch of other ones. And same with the quarterback and same with the wide receiver or whatever. Uh, but I think with the UFC, you can't just be really strong. Because if you're really strong and you have lots of muscle mass and you fight someone who has a lot of stamina, he'll beat you because right. he'll wear you down. Or vice versa, if you're too thin and you work too much on your cardio, then someone who is stronger than you will work uh, will take you down, things like that. So I think the, the combination of like strength, stamina, and, fle- and like flexibility because of all the uh, submissions and stuff that happen, I think it's one of the sports that uh, I think a lot of really epitomizes athleticism. So when you see the competition, I find it really crazy the kind of training they go through. Right. There are former NFL players in the UFC who say, like, this is the hardest training you can go through because you have to prepare for everything. Yeah, so, I mean, those guys were also NFL washouts, so maybe they aren't the best sources for it. Right. But I just think that's really cool. I think being able to to push yourself that hard, especially in championship fights, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's one of the things I thought was another kind of point I wanted to make was that Unlike uh, like like the WWE, I guess is it's kind of unpredictable. I mean, um, so there are fights where, which actually can be a downside too. But there's fights where a guy gets knocked out in the first minute and it's over. So you've had all this hype and the guy gets knocked out. Right. It's still exciting. But there was one fight uh, about a year ago with Anderson Silva, who was um, 
uh, champion at middleweight, and uh, he was basically getting beaten up for four and a half rounds or five round fights or title fights. And then with about 30 seconds left, he managed to submit the guy who was beating him up. So it was like the most dramatic turn possible. Really? He couldn't script it better. Um, and then that guy ended up coming back and the, the champion ended up breaking his leg like horrifically in a fight later on. So oh, if you wow. don't like blood or violence, that won't work. But I think the unpredictability of it, and unlike a, you know, a late fourth quarter in, in, a, in a football game where you can kind of know if it's over, you can do the math, can again the possessions back? It's over. It's literally never over in a UFC Unless fight. Unless it's the Buffalo Bills playing the Houston Oilers in that huge comeback game. It's true. Unless Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and like I guess baseball has that because technically you can run a, a bunch of runs in any inning. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that's that is my uh, long attempt to explain why I like the UFC um, so much. Uh, have I done anything? Have I moved the needle at all in terms of... I think you have, although I think before we sort of say whether or not we've been convinced or not, although you kind of said that I have convinced you, so yeah, you convinced me. But you're well, I'll convince, to... You to, I'll convince you to watch one. Yes. But I'm not, we'll see if I like it. After yeah, I think that it's like that. All we, all we can really do is try and convince the other to participate in something, but whether or not we enjoy it after the fact, like I'm... like. If we watch a mystery science theater, I'm probably going to be there when you watch it. Mm. And at the end of it, I might be either convincing you, "Hey, maybe we should try another one. Maybe this this one didn't, you know, float your boat so much." And with UFC, I'm probably not going to sit down and watch a fight unless you were there yeah, saying, sense. "This is who this guy is. This is the backstory." And like I, I need that backstory. So if I can I pick and choose a fight that's already happened that I know is really exciting? Yes, you have made mention of a couple different fights, although you mentioned UFC one, it's just crazy, but that's because it's like the It's kind of a sideshow Ultimate Fighter. That's probably that's definitely one of the ones you go back and watch later. Right. Um, so there's a bunch of fights where there's a, like a guy named Randy Couture fights uh, I'm gonna give this one away, but I'm sorry, I'm not gonna use this one. That's fine. But he fights Randy Couture is like a light heavyweight and heavyweight, so around two hundred and ten pounds, two hundred and twenty okay. pounds most of his career. But Joe got Oh, oh, the, the, the Joe guy, the, the, the Joe special. And he's about, like, I, don't know, I don't know, six feet tall, six foot one. He's a funny guy who's like much larger than him. Yeah. But Randy Couture's like athleticism and kind of grit and, and game plan just like slowly takes down this giant. And that's actually what got me into the UFC. Really? Because the whole time, like, there's no way this is happening. And he just slowly takes him down. So I think that's one example, but there are a few other ones that um, I, I can think of right away. So anyone who's listening, I'm probably going to do... John Jones and Alexander Gustafson, I think, is one of the one I'm going to show Joe, if anyone's curious. But yeah, that's what I think will be one that might get you interested. But we'll see. I could be wrong. All right. All right. So before we close this up, closing arguments, one sort of blanket statement. You tell me, Joe, you should watch the UFC because, and then like one, two sentences, and then I'll do why you should watch Mystery Science Theater, and then we'll say goodnight to all of our fans out there going to sleep. All right. So you should watch... Uh, the UFC because of athleticism, uh, inspiring you to get in shape, <laughs> and Andre Touchy Feely. All right, <laughs> you've convinced me. <laughs> Those are three solid arguments. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you should watch Mystery Science Theater because there is a tiny robot whose head is a gumball machine, and he talks and has a deep voice. All right. All right. Sold. So that's another episode of Mist of Mr. <laughs> Science Theater. This is another episode of Unnecessary Infringement. Yeah, exactly. They're coming for us. That has been another episode of Unnecessary Side Project. Thank you everyone for listening. Good night. I hope that the Sandman uh, whisks you away to Dreamland. 
because I'm assuming all of you are listening to this right before you go to sleep, and then once the final word is said, you close your eyes and go off to, to the dreamscape. So, bye-bye from all of really us just here. creep me out. Have a, see you next time, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sleep well. <laughs> Thank you for your patronage. We will see you next week.